What's going on, Coastal Community Church? How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're joining us today. Uh, can you guys help me welcome everybody at our Lighthouse Point location, everybody that's watching online. Man, we're so glad to have you guys joining with us today. And uh, we're excited. I I'm excited for today. I don't know if you're excited, but I'm excited for today. I feel like uh, today is, is going to be a great day. And let me just say, if you're a guest here with us, uh, we, we don't take that lightly. We know that there's a lot of things you could be doing this weekend. Instead of being at church, you could be at the beach. You could be playing golf. You could be shopping. The, but the fact that you chose to spend part of your weekend here with us, it means a lot. And I want to let you know that we've been praying for you. We've been believing that God is going to speak to you and that today God is going to do something new new and fresh in your life. And if you're out there and you're church shopping, you're looking for your church home, let me just be the first to say, welcome home. You found it. You don't have to go look anymore else. Man, this is a great place to be. And so um, for those of you that are guests with us here today, or, or you, maybe you're just been here for a little bit, we typically preach in, in, in series where we have a group of messages around a specific topic or, or a book of the Bible. And I just felt like I kind of had like a now word from God for us today. So we're going to do something a little bit different. And, 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 and I just want to share it with you. And I hope that you guys are okay with that. Even if you're not, you're just going to be stuck with it. So just go ahead and accept it right now. Um, and we're be looking at a story out of the book of Nehemiah. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there, the book of Nehemiah. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab those worship guys that are on your seats and inside that worship God is all the verses and, and there's some fill in the blanks. I would encourage you to fill that out. But Nehemiah, uh, kind of the backstory of, of Nehemiah and who he is, is Nehemiah is a guy that's commissioned by God to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls that surround the city of Jerusalem. They've been destroyed for hundreds of years and, and through the process of going and rebuilding the walls, he faces some opposition, he faces some obstacles and, and he's getting near the end of completing the task that God has given to him. And so he's really, really close to the breakthrough and he's really, really close to the victory. And this is where we're gonna pick up in, in Nehemiah chapter six, starting in verse one. It says, it was told to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and to the rest of those who hated us, that I had built the wall again. And, and how many of you know that there are some enemies that are out there in your life that as you start fulfilling the will of God in your life, they're gonna come up against you. Like you're gonna face some opposition. You're gonna face some obstacles. And, and the word had gotten to these guys. And it says, they were told that the walls had no more open places but I had not yet set up the doors in the gates. So in other words, he's still got some work to do. And I need your attention here today, church. There is still some work for some of you to do. Like you have not arrived yet in life. There's still some things that God wants to do in your life. Some of you are like, well, Pastor DJ, I'm so old that there's no work for me to do. Listen, if you're still breathing, God's still got something for you. Let me also say it to the younger people who think, well, I'm too young to accomplish anything. Listen, if you're alive, God's got something for you. Doesn't matter what your age is. As Aaliyah said, age ain't nothing but a number. So you, God's got something for your life. So just know it. It says, so Sembalat and Geshem sent word to me saying, come let us meet together in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they were planning to hurt me. And here's some encouragement for you. If you're out there and your past keeps showing up in your present and, some, and there's some opposition in your life calling you to the plains of, oh, no, here's what you need to say to them. Oh, heck no. Okay, that's just your response. 
So I sent men with word to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. That's an important phrase. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? They sent word to me four times in this way. And listen, I'm, you need to know the enemy is going to be consistent in trying to take you out. You, you, you get a call from God. You get a word from God. The enemy is going to do whatever he takes. And he's a persistent joker. Like he's just going to keep coming. And it says that I gave them the same answer. And here's the word that God gave me for somebody's life here today. And, and I believe that it's going to speak to you. And it's an important word. And here's the word that God told me to tell you today. Whether you're sitting in Lighthouse Point, whether you're sitting on your couch in your boxers, or you're sitting right here in Parkland, God wants me to let you know, don't stop now. What God has called you to do, don't stop now. Don't stop. Some of you guys have, have not only stopped, but you've flipped it and put it back and reversed it, okay? And God is telling you, don't stop now. In fact, I want to pray right now because I think God wants to challenge us. So God, I just pray right now that you challenge us. You open up our eyes. You open up our ears to hear your word. God, I pray that we would have clarity like we've never had clarity before and that you would speak to us. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but anytime I get the drive to do something great in my life, it seems like the enemy comes, obstacles arrive, distractions come. It's just like it's inevitable in my life. The moment I decide that I'm going to go on a diet, anybody ever gone on a diet before? Everybody ever, anybody ever done that? Come on, show of hands. Come on, be honest in here. You've ever tried a diet? Maybe you've, how many people have failed at a diet? Come on, raise your hands. Okay, there's a lot more of you that you failed at the diet than, than actually tried a diet. That's, that's an interesting concept. I think trying and failing kind of go hand in hand, but anyways. It seems like every time I decide, you know what, I'm going to get healthy and I'm going to start on Monday. The moment I start, there's like a ping on my phone and it's a, the Dunkin' Donuts app telling me it's free donut day. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how does the enemy know that like the day that I'm starting to diet, there's going to be free donuts everywhere. It's like, come on, somebody, help a brother out. And it seems like there's obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. It, it's like no matter when I make a decision, like the moment I make a decision during the week that like, hey, I'm going to start studying for the weekend so I can be prepared to give you a good message. That's the moment my phone starts ringing. People start texting me. It's the moment that people walk into wherever I'm working and want to have a conversation. Why? Because the distractions come and things happen. And it's in those moments that we have got to be like Nehemiah and go, I can't come down right now. I am on assignment in life. And I believe that I've come here today to encourage some people in South Florida who feel like they were doing something so good and so significant at the beginning of this year. You are so focused and you are making so much progress and then some stuff came up. And here's what I know about that stuff that came up. Here's what I've learned. If the enemy can't destroy you, here's what he's going to do. He's going to distract you. And some of you, you've gotten distracted. You've allowed people to distract you. You've allowed some random things to distract you. You've allowed some friends to distract you. And I'm here to get you back on assignment in life. Why? Because God has a great work for your life. And it's time for you to get back focused. And listen, I get it. We live in a distracted generation. 
In fact, people would say that this is the most distracted our society has ever been. In fact, if you're under the age of 20, your parents think that like every, every driver under the age of 20, you know how they drive? They drive with a phone in their hand and their hand on the wheel and their eyes aren't on the road, they're on their phone, aren't they? Come on, if you agree with that statement, come on, raise your hand, raise your hand. Lighthouse point, raise your hand, yeah? And you think, well, and your parents, everybody under 20, your parents will tell you, you're the most distracted generation. But they forgot, I grew up in the 90s. I know how distracted we were. See, we didn't have a phone to distract us. What we had were these things called CDs. And so we would have these cases of CDs and we'd be driving down the road. This guy has, you think that's pizza, that's a CD in his mouth. He's trying to keep his eye on the road and find his jam on the next CD to put it in. And listen, if you're from the 80s, you didn't have CDs. You had tape players and you were trying to get to your song. And so you were forward, backwards, forward, backwards. You weren't watching the road. You were trying to get to that jam. Listen, we've always been a distracted people. And this is a common tendency in our life, but we've got to get a determination to go, man, God has got something great for our life, even when the distractions come. And we've got to learn how to focus ourselves on what is important instead of what is not. And this is the moment that Nehemiah is finding himself in. And let me kind of give you the backstory of why Nehemiah's story is important. Because in 586 BC, that's about 600 years before Jesus is born, the children of God, they're in Israel. They're, they're living in Jerusalem. It's their capital. And as long as they're obedient to God, God's favor is upon their life. They're, they're blessed in immeasurably more ways than all they could think, ask, or imagine. But they get to this point where they stop being obedient to what God wants them to do. And what God does is he takes his hand of protection and his hand of favor off their life. And what happens is, is, is a rival raises up and it's called the Babylonian Empire. And they come in and they destroy the city of Jerusalem. They destroy the infrastructure. They tear down the walls. They destroy the temple. And they take the, the children of Israel into exile and they scatter them all over the Babylonian Empire. And, and they're like this for hundreds of years until a guy named Cyrus from Persia comes along and defeats the Babylonian Empire. And what he says is, he said, hey, if you're an Israelite, you can go back to your home. You can go back to where you're from. So the city that they're from has been destroyed. And one of the things that was most pivotal about the city was the walls that surrounded the city. The walls were there to protect the city. So, so what would happen is they would go back and they would go start rebuilding their homes, but they would forget to rebuild the walls and enemy invaders would come in and destroy their, their homes, destroy their lives and, and set them back. And this happens over and over and over again until this guy named Nehemiah shows up. And what I love about Nehemiah is Nehemiah isn't a church leader. He isn't a prophet. He isn't some great business leader. In fact, he's not even a politician. Nehemiah is just your average guy who gets a word from God and is obedient to God and ends up changing and transforming the world. So let me encourage somebody in here today. You feel like you're just an average show. You feel like there isn't anything significant in your life. And let me just say to you, if God calls you, he can anoint you and you can do something great with your life. God's got something awesome in store for your life. 
So this is Nehemiah. And in chapter three, what we see is we start to see him begin to rebuild the wall. And the first thing he does is he begins to build a team. In fact, this is the leadership book of the Bible. There's some incredible leadership principles for those of you that are running organizations and businesses. And, and, and what's interesting about Nehemiah, as he builds this team, he starts building the wall. But the miracle of the wall doesn't happen immediately. And I want to help some people because you're praying to God for an immediate miracle. But what I've learned about God is that God does not move immediately. He moves incrementally in our lives. So you're wanting something to happen today, but God is trying to make something happen daily in our lives. And I, I, I see it in the life of Nehemiah. It wasn't that he got out there and prayed and all of a sudden the wall just supernaturally appeared. No, no, no. What happened? You know what Nehemiah had to do? He had to lay some bricks. He had, to, he had to do brick by brick by brick by brick. And, and I believe that God is telling some of you out there that it's time to start laying some bricks. It's time to start being obedient daily. It's time to start doing what God has called you to do. And watch how when you do your part combined with God's part, how the miracle will begin to come to pass in your life. So he starts building and he starts seeing progress. And progress is great, except we don't like progress today. The problem we have today is we're not looking for progress. We're looking for perfection. And so some of us, we're experiencing the miracle in our life, but because we're not seeing perfection, we don't think it's accomplished. And here's the thing that you need to know. You're never going to achieve perfection until you get to heaven. So you're going to start looking at progress and start realizing that, man, I'm not who I used to be. I'm not who I was a year ago. I'm not who I was five years ago. So I'm not who I used to be, but I'm becoming who God wants me to be. And so I got to celebrate the progress that's taking place in my life. So he's starting to see some progress. He's starting to see some stuff happen. But as soon as that stuff starts happening, you know what happens? Opposition begins to come in his life. And I don't know if you're like me, but it, 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 as soon as I'm close to the breakthrough, like... There is obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want to see you live in victory. He doesn't want to see you victorious in your life. So what does he do? He throws everything possible at you. It's in those moments that the bad diagnosis comes. It's in those moments that you experience the financial setback or the marriage issue, or, or that war that's going on within your mind. And, and it's in those moments that you begin to feel under attack. And let me encourage you today, opposition doesn't mean that you're going the wrong way. In fact, opposition many times is the way you should go because when you feel the opposition, it means that there's probably victory right on the other side of it. So he's dealing with some opposition and these guys come along and say, hey, you need to come and hang out on the plane of Ono. And, and, and Nehemiah has a decision to make. And I think it's a decision that we all have to make. Are we going to realize that God has got something great for our lives? And are we going to decide I'm not going to stop what God has called me to do to do what somebody else is asking me to do? Don't settle for anything less than God's best for your life. Don't settle for anything less than God's plan for your life. Don't settle for what's convenient over what the calling is. And so I want to give you a couple of lessons from Nehemiah chapter 6 today that will help you to not stop now. Because some of you guys are stopped and it's time for you to restart in your life. And so number one is this, if you're taking notes, which you should be, is you have to remember that you have a great calling. 
You've got to remember that you have a great calling. Do you see what Nehemiah said when the people came and attacked him and tells him to come and hang out? I love it, Nehemiah chapter six. He says, so I sent men with word to them saying, I'm doing a great work. I love the humble brag that, that Nehemiah does. He goes, listen, you might be doing something insignificant, but I've got a great work to do. I know what God has called me to in life and it's not to go down and lower myself with you jokers. I love the confidence that Nehemiah has in that moment. And here's my question. I wonder if you have that confidence. I wonder if you've lost the excitement of what God has called you to do with your life. Because here's normally what happens. You get the call. You experience the miracle. You keep the miracle around for a little while or, or you stay in the calling for a little bit. And that calling or that miracle, what happens? It becomes average for you. And eventually the, ca the calling or the miracle has some problems and, and, and those problems become an inconvenience that you're now praying for God to deliver you from that was once originally a miracle in your life. I wrote it down like this. Over time, we're prone to start treating something that was once a miracle as something that is mundane. And I see this happen in people's lives all the time. Parents, you, 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 you understand this better than anybody. When you first have a child, like every waking moment you're concerned with that, you're like, oh, oh, you're, when you lay that child down to go to sleep, like the moment they coo or something, you're like, oh, are they okay? You walk away for five minutes, you don't hear anything, you go back inside to check to make sure they're still breathing. Are they still breathing? Are they still alive? And like all throughout the night, like you're, you're, you're there for every moment. In fact, when they're the firstborn child, they get thousands and thousands of pictures taken of them. <laughs> but then you have a second child and you put them in the crib and they coo and you're like, they'll be all right. You don't even check to see if they're still breathing. You're like, they'll be there in the morning. They have two pictures taken of them. Why? Because what was once a miracle has become mundane in your life. Same thing is true in, in that marriage. What was once a miracle, like I tell Shayla all the time, babe, I'm your miracle. You prayed for me. You prayed for this. Look at all this. This is your miracle. Don't treat me as mundane. Just saying. Because whenever you start to treat something as common, you'll treat it lightly. You don't favor it. You won't protect it. You don't value it. And let me remind you that God has called you to do something great with your life. And that calling is so big. First Peter says it like this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into the wonderful light. Look at that verse. He's saying, remember where you came from. Yes. And some of you have been saved for so long, you've forgotten what it was like to be where you came. You forgot how broken you were, how destitute you were, how admired in your sin you, that you were, that you are so desperate for the things of God when you first got saved. You were hungry for God. You hungered and thirst after righteousness. Now you just hunger for a burrito and a cheeseburger. Because we've forgotten it's become normal, it's become mundane. And we've forgotten how good we have it now compared to how bad it was before. 
He says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. He's saying, don't undervalue yourself. Man, you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Listen, you have a unique assignment. You've got a special assignment. There's something big in store for your life, and you have to remember that, and here's why. Because most people stop what they are doing because they forgot why they're doing it. Most people stop what they are doing because they forgot why they're doing it. And you've forgotten what you are doing is so big. Listen, I'm not here to preach messages. I'm here to raise up a generation that will follow God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. This isn't just what I'm doing. It's why I'm doing it. We aren't here to attend church. We're here to advance God's kingdom. That's why we're doing this. Like, I don't just give some money to the church. No, no, no. I honor God with the first because he's the most important thing in my life. If I forget why I'm doing, I'll stop what I am doing. If I will continue to what I'm doing, if I always remember the why. Why, why, why? Why? Because you have a great calling. And you're not here to do average stuff. You're here to do something great. Number two, you have to recognize that you have limits. So you have a great calling, but you also have to recognize that you have some limits. Look at what he says in verse 3. So I sent men with word to them, saying, I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Notice that he didn't say, I'll eventually find some time to get to you guys. He says, he says no, no, no. I know my limits, and my limits are, I'm not going to do that. See, he's learned this significant word that I think a lot of us have got to learn. I've been trying to teach it to you over the last couple of weeks, but it's an important word. And it's this word called no. You have to learn how to say no because there are so many things that are pulling at your life. And because you have a great calling, here's what you think. You think I can do anything. But what I've realized is that I can be anointed for one thing, and because I'm anointed for one thing, it doesn't mean that that grace will carry over into everything. So let me say it this way. You have a grace for everything that God has called you to do in your life, but if you feel drained and exhausted and worried all the time, you're probably doing some things that are outside the will of God for your life. So you have to learn how to say no to some things. This is called self-awareness. Here's what self-awareness is. It's the ability to see yourself clearly and objectively. And I want to help us because in our faith community, there are some of you that think that you can do anything because that's what faith says. I can do anything. And let me correct you. No, God can do anything. You have limits. And I think a lot of us have derived this problem, not just from scripture of, of like Philippians where it says, I can do all things, but we forget through Christ who strengthens us. We just think I can do everything because we grew up in a generation where our parents told us, you can be anything, you can do anything, you can achieve anything. And that's great for encouraging as a parent. So you know what that caused me to do as a child? It caused me to believe that I could be a professional athlete. And so you know what I did? I, I planned my life around being a professional athlete. So I played ball all throughout high school. I was good enough to earn a, a college scholarship for football to a Division II school in Tennessee. When I got there, I realized that I'm five foot ten. I weigh 175 pounds, and I thought I was an athlete in high school. But when I got to college, I found out that I was a scrub. 
Like, they were faster, they were stronger, they were more athletic. I might have been smarter. I was smart enough to know that I'm not going to succeed in this. It's when I had the realization that mom and dad lied to me. I can't do everything. I need to know my limits. And you need to know your limits too. And here's what we have to realize. We all have limits. And the problem that so many of us have is we're saying yes to all of these things in our life because we think I've got such a big calling on my life that I can do everything. I love what Paul says in Philippians chapter three, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Can I encourage somebody at every location? What is the one thing? What's the one thing that God has called you to do? Maybe it's to build that business or, or, or to, to stay in that marriage or to raise those kids or to lead that connect group. What's the one thing? He says, forgetting what's behind and You know what you got to do? You got to focus and you got to strain ahead. And we need some Nehemiahs that will raise up today that when distractions come that you'll go, man, I can't go to oh no. Because I know my limitations and I know I've got a great calling in my life. See, we have to understand that attention is a limited resource. Attention. It's a limited resources. It's why a lot of you think, well, I'm great at multitasking. But you know what multitasking does? It makes you average at everything. And God has not called you to be average. He's called you to be exceptional. You're chosen. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. Those things don't sound average to me. They sound exceptional. And so what does that mean? It means that we can't do everything, but we can do one thing. So what has God called you to do? You've got to realize your limitations. You've got to focus on what he's called you to and get it done. And then number three, you have to resolve that you have to keep building. See, Nehemiah understands I have a great calling. There's something big that I have to do with my life. Then he also understands, you know what? I, I've got some limitations. I can't do everything. I can't go hang out when everyone else wants to hang out. I can't go do what everybody else wants to do. I have to focus on what I have to do. And then I have to resolve that when the opposition comes, when the temptation comes, when there's a drive to go back to where I came from, no, no, no. I'm going to resolve in my life that I have to keep building and moving forward. Verse three, it says, so I sent men with word to them saying, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? He says, why would I stop doing what's important for what's insignificant in life? Like he understood that he had this resolve that he was just gonna keep building. They sent word to me four times in this way and I gave them the same answer. Why? Because I believe that some of us, we've gotta get some grit inside of us. We've got to get some resolve inside of us to go, you know what? I have got a great calling and I'm so focused on that calling. I'm going to remove all these other things out of my life. And I get it, man. There's distractions everywhere. Listen, there are opportunities everywhere. Something I struggle with in my own life. My, my wife will tell you, I get phone calls to do things all of the time. Things that I love to do, like I love golf. 
Like, it's the third most important thing in my life. After Jesus and Shayla, it's golf. Church is fourth. I'm just kidding. I'm... <laughs> like, I love it. And so, so what happens is, is friends know that. People that are close to me know that. And they'll, they'll call me up and they'll be like, man, TJ, we've, we can go up to, we can go up, we can go out to California and go play Pebble Beach. If you don't know anything about golf, that's, it's a big deal. And my initial reaction is, is like, man, I love golf. Let's go. Then I have to remind myself, man, I've got a great calling. Yeah. And I've got to resolve that, that I've got to keep building. Right. There'll be other opportunities to do things I love, but I've got a calling. I've got a, I've got a time frame. I've got a limitation of when this can be accomplished. I, I, I use this quote all the time. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of that opportunity. That calling doesn't last forever. That opportunity doesn't last forever. So you're going to take advantage of that moment. You're going to resolve that, no, 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 I'm not going to let these things distract me. And listen, the distractions are easy to come by. We're distracted by so much stuff. It's, it's like every time I sit down to pray, maybe this is, this is you as well, but every time I sit down to pray and spend some time with God, what happens? Beep, beep, beep. You're like, messages, text messages, phone calls. It's like, no, no, no. I, I've got to shut this thing down and go, no, no, no. I've resolved that I'm going to keep building my relationship with God. And so I'm going to shut down the noise and do what's most important. Some of you guys resolved this year that that marriage was going to be different. You were going to start counseling, but it seems like every time that counseling appointment is coming up, there's some other opportunity that comes up. That kid has a game and that, that there, there's an opportunity over there. No, no, no. You need to resolve of doing what's most important because here's what that kid would love more than a game. He'd love a mom and dad that are still together. Right. I'm just telling you, you think they're going to be an athlete. You live in Parkland. They're not, okay? <laughs> just saying, I've seen your kids. Sorry, it's just an easy one to hate, <laughs> hate on. Just. But listen, listen, listen. Some of us were so determined this year that this year was going to be different. Like we heard God speak, and maybe it wasn't even this year. Maybe it was two weeks ago. Maybe it was two years ago. You heard God speak, and you were so resolved, like, I've got to do this. And then the feelings faded. Because when you get that, man, the feelings are like, like you're ready to go. But that, how many of you know feelings fade? And so what we need in those moments is we need this word called discipline. And discipline is the ability to stay committed to your assignment long after the feelings of excitement have left. Because those feelings, when you start hitting some opposition, when you start hitting some some things that are difficult, that feeling of that butterflies, they go away really fast. And then you start getting some different feelings that were not the feelings of excitement. They're the feelings of fear. They're the feelings of anxiety. And here's what I know. Your feelings are not final. Like you don't have to listen to them. But if you listen to the wrong feelings, you know what they will be in your life? They'll be fatal to that calling that God has for you. And so we've got we've to go, no, no, no. This is a moment where I need some discipline in spite of what I feel that I'm going to keep pressing on, that I'm going to keep moving forward. Why? Because I've got a great calling in my life and I've got to have some resolve that I'm going to continue to build. 
And Nehemiah keeps pressing on. And let me just encourage you. In verse 15, it says, So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. Now, here's what's amazing. History tells us they've been trying to complete this wall for 72 years. What others couldn't do in 72 years, Nehemiah was able to accomplish in 52 days. Why? And here's, here's what, the crazy belief that I have. I believe that Sam Ballot and Tobias and Geshem, the Arab, they had been around for a long time. And every time somebody else had started building, they had come up and said, hey, let's go and hang out on the plain of Ono. And every other person had given in to the opportunity, to the distractions that were there. But Nehemiah said, nope, I'm going to be a little bit different. I'm going to stay focused on what God has called me to. And when we start to focus on what God has called us to, it, tell, it changes everything. And let me just tell you something, church. Your wall will be complete. Whatever that assignment is, God will make it happen. What that dream is that God has put in your heart, it will come to pass. Those kids will love Jesus in Jesus' name. That spouse, you will walk in your destiny with them. You'll walk in the favor of God if you don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Some of you guys have stopped. You stopped. Let's start moving again. Let's start taking some ground. You keep building. You stay focused. You keep doing what God has called you to do and watch how God will make it happen. I think it's the difference between Nehemiah and everybody else. Nehemiah realized supernatural goals are only achieved when we partner our grit with God's grace. So listen, a lot of you guys are praying for God to build the wall. And God's saying, it's time to roll up your sleeves and get a little dirty. So it's, it's time for, for, for you to put in some effort because God's not gonna build the wall for you, but he is gonna give you some bricks. Then there's some of you that are out there that you've been, you've been placing brick after brick after brick for a long time and you're getting tired. And I want you to know that's when God's supernatural grace comes in and he's gonna give you the resolve. He's gonna give you the endurance. He's gonna give you the strength. He's gonna give you the encouragement that you need to complete the task at hand. And one day we're gonna celebrate the fact that the wall was built by your grit and God's grace. Church, just telling you, you're a Nehemiah. You're a Nehemiah. You've got a great calling, but you've also got some limits. Let's resolve in our hearts that we're gonna keep building everything that God has spoken to us and not get distracted. This is our moment. This is our time to get back on focus, to get back on track, to accomplish all that God has for our lives. Will you bow and pray with me? God, I just stand before you and I, I pray for every man, for every woman, for every student that's in this room. Doesn't matter what age, what income bracket they are in, you've got a call on their life. You've got a purpose and you've got a plan. And I believe for a lot of us, we've gotten distracted or we've gotten overwhelmed or the opposition has came and we thought to ourselves, this is way harder than I bargained for. And we kind of threw in the towel of what you had spoken to us. God, I pray right now that you would 
reignite the fire in our hearts for what you said. God, that you would give us the grit and the grace to accomplish all that you've called us to. God, that that you would give us strength in this moment, that you would give us encouragement in this moment, that God, that you would give us a focus that is so laser focused that it is life changing for us. That there would be a passion to get back to building all that you've called us to build. Gotta thank you for what you're gonna do in marriages right here in Jesus' name. I thank you for what you're doing in training up the next generation of children that are in homes right now in Jesus' name. I thank you for businesses that were being birthed in people's hearts right now that they gave up on, that they're going to pick that back up and begin it again. But I also know that there's some people that are here today that as you're listening to this, you're listening to some Guy, talk about a God that loves you so much that he's got a purpose and plan for your life. And you're like, man, all that my life has been is a big mess. And I want you to know that this God, he loved you so much that he said, you know what? I've got a solution for your mess. And 2,000 years ago, he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to this earth to live a perfect life, a life that you and I could not attain, to die a sinner's death, the death that you and I deserve for all of our mistakes and all of our screw-ups and all of our past. He went to the grave and he defeated death, hell, and the grave and rose again three days later so that you and I could experience life, life with God and a more abundant life here on this earth. And the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved, that we can have the opportunity to know our creator and experience his son so that we don't have to live life the way that we've always lived it, so that we can have a purpose, so that we can have a plan, so that we can experience the call of God on our life. And maybe you're out there and you need to experience that for the first time or the first time in a long time. It begins with a simple yet significant prayer that I would love to pray with you. If you say, you know what, Pastor TJ, that's me. Whether you're in Lighthouse Point or right here in Parkland, if you just slip your hand up at the count of three, I'd love to pray a prayer with you that will change everything for everybody. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip those hands up. Yes, sir. I see you right there. Yes, ma'am. I see you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Back there. Three. I see you. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Back there. Four. I see you. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Five. Thank you. I see you back there. Yes, sir. I see you right there. Six. Thank you. Anybody else? If you just pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it aloud, say, God, thank you for loving me so much that you would send your one and only son to pay the ultimate price for me. God, I ask you to forgive me of my past, change my present, and secure my future. Come into my heart and take over my life. I surrender my will. I surrender my way. I declare you as the Lord of my life. Fill me with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience and your kindness and your goodness. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. And God, I pray right now that as they're making this commitment to you, that you'd begin to speak to them, that you'd begin to guide their life, that you'd begin to to show them the ways that you've called them to go and that you would change them from the inside out. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.